0: Hello.
1: hey how are you
0: good how are you
1: i'm good enough thanks thanks i'm I... so excited that you are bringing back the 24-hour marathon show for, for <laughs> disability because that you know that thing yeah
2: it's it's a it's a time honored tradition. I feel like for for at least one comedian to exhaust themselves in front of a national audience. I yeah. don't have a national audience, but you know it's close enough. It's online.
1: It probably takes years to get. I mean, no, with Jerry Lewis, you know, nobody really back then. Nobody thought about the sleep cycle very much, but I'll bet you it takes years to restore yourself from such an endeavor. You know, sleep. I you know for years uh, I've been doing you know the stand up comedy job. For yeah. forty-three years now,
0: right. and
1: a lot of times it requires uh, because of travel. Right, my my pickup time is often like three thirty in the morning, or right. uh, you know something like that. And so often I get like an hour of sleep in a bed, and then I you know my head bobs on the airplane for a little while, and then maybe I get to the <laughs> hotel and I sleep for a little while. There's <laughs> I'm forever seeing articles now about how much. It messes you up. Yeah. Uh, physically, like you're you're more likely to get cancer. You're you're more likely, uh, I, you're more likely not to be invited to parties. Uh, it can mess <laughs> you up socially. Um, uh, your cats will probably throw up more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all from not having a good, uh, you know, sleep hygiene, and yeah. so
2: uh, food so no my- longer tastes good. Um, (laughs) Uh, Yeah, 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 exactly.
1: Um, I'm, you know, so my hat's off to you.
2: Thank you. I appreciate that. It's, it's, so can I tell you what happened to me? So last year we did it, um, had another bunch of great guests on it, whatever. I thought I was like, I just thought I reached that point in my life where I couldn't hang anymore because it started to get into the next day and I was getting cranky and I had no idea why I wound up having COVID and didn't know. I lasted like two years without it, had no clue, got it from a gig but didn't know. And the 24 hours wiped me out. And I was like, but I was like really in my head, like I'm too old. I got too old. I can't stay up 24 hours anymore. I'm miserable. My face hurts. But yeah, I had COVID the whole time. No clue. Oh my
1: heavens. Yeah,
2: it was nuts. But hopefully. It's
1: it's again, right? That you messed up your sleep cycle and then you paid with a physical ailment. That's exactly uh, what happens. I have managed to not get covid uh, you know, not good. Yeah. Um, uh, but I have terrible allergies all the time. I'm forever coughing and sneezing and blowing my nose and the like. And therefore, people think I have COVID a lot. <laughs> and it works for me <laughs> because yes. I get seats to myself on the airplane. Yes. Um Yeah. I had a lady. I was in first class one time only because of miles. I would never pay for first class. But uh, I was in first class one time, and a lady, um, this is actually pre-COVID, and oh. there was a lady beside me. Okay, it's pre-COVID, but she was nonetheless slathering the seat. Like, she just sat down, and she was slathering the seat and the tray table with a hand sanitizer. Oh, my and God. I'm allergic to that stuff. Right. Anything, anything with a, a strong scent to it, like a cleaning kind of product or chemically or, you know, stuff mm. you hang in your car, co- stuff like that. Makes right. me just, uh, so I'm coughing and coughing and coughing and she's slathering and slathering. And she got so angry um, that she, she she asked the flight attendant to switch her seat. I think she went back, you know, to the seat by the bathroom or something.
2: Like the COVID thing or any kind of pandemic, I think, screws people like us because they're like, oh, if you wake up with a headache or if you're congested, I'm like, yeah every fucking day.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I went to give blood one day. And by the way, I I give blood on a regular basis. And although I don't know, you know, none of the people at the blood donation place, you know, they don't go, Oh, Hey Paula. Um, it's all, you know, I always sign in. They don't, they don't know. We, I have, they see enough people that, that, that we, you know, they don't identify me as a, as a regular donor, but I am. Right. Right. And, uh, but anyway so one time i was sitting and, and by the way not a mask in sight uh, it, uh it, it, like in the waiting area anyways right. and i'm sitting in the waiting area but i have a coughing fit in the waiting area and, and i'm pretty <laughs> sure this one other donor got up and went and complained i'm practically positive about that so when i get up to the desk to you know to sign in uh the woman was like you know was that you coughing? And I was like, uh, yeah, I have a, a chronic cough. She goes, ooh, we're going to have you not donate today. And I'm like, you know what, ma'am? It's a chronic cough. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and then, of course, I get home, and there's like a, a, a message on my machine from the Red Cross. You know, we desperately need your blood. Like, All right, you know. <laughs> and she said to me, she goes, well, you could. I go, well, then I'll never be able to give blood because I cough like this every day. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and she said, "Well, you can get a note from a doctor." It was so tempting to just oh. pull a piece of paper from my back pocket. And by the way, I always carry a pen dangling from my pants, uh, nice. <laughs> and just like write a note, you know, as if I'm a doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Paul is fine, <laughs> for heaven's sakes.
2: Uh, imagine having to pull rank at a blood donation drive and going like, uh, "I'm a regular here, actually," yeah. and like. Like a, like you're gonna have to take a selfie every time you get one now to make sure that yeah. they know. And,
1: and I would like a better seat.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. By the way, the,
1: the key to the whole thing in terms of blood donation is mm. hydration. Oh, really? Do you not get yeah, lightheaded? Because get it? It's so fast uh, if you're really hydrated. Right. Uh I discovered this. It was a long it took me a long time. You know, I'm not I don't have a science background. Yeah. Like you may have been thinking. I did think that. Uh, yeah, from your books I don't. mostly. I well, don't you have did you, yeah
2: you, yeah you wrote the unscientific approach to being right is that I, I, I wrote I have,
1: the totally unscientific study of the search for human happiness that right is correct. right
2: yes I love that I have it actually it's oh a great thank book. you um, thank
1: you very much I I I, I think it's good it's, it's good weird. it's weird saying that about I, a thing that that oneself did yeah uh, but can I say this even... it made me happy well there that thrills me yeah you, you know when I was thinking. When I grew up, we were, you know, the idea of, you know, bragging Mm
0: -hmm.
1: was like a really bad thing. Yeah. You know, um, it was something that you got chastised for. Right. Um, You know, you just weren't supposed to go around saying that you did anything well. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: and so I think I really internalized that message. And, but here's the thing. We had neighbors that were, they were all, every one of those kids was very talented in one way or the other. And the kid in my neighbor's family that was close, that was my age, Mm -hmm. uh, is Jim Ross. And Jim Ross was a musical protege. Okay. He played in the Boston Pops when he was a junior in high school. And he went on to, he's a conductor now. Mm-hmm. He was the captain of the gymnastics team. He got the Harvard Book Award when, you know, like he got a, a scholarship to Harvard. Holy and shit. we used to, we used to feel like, you know, Jim bragged. Mm-hmm. And looking back, I realized, you know, he didn't.
0: Mm, yeah. <laughs> he, just,
1: <laughs> he just did everything so damn well that just casually talking sounded like bragging. You know, like, what's he supposed to do? Say, uh, yeah, I have this tuxedo on and I'm on my way to the Boston Pops, but uh, (laughs) I'm not really playing there. Um, Yeah. (laughs) yeah. See, I was never, so I was never faced with that. I was never, I was never told, you know, like I never did anything so well that it was difficult to hide it under a bushel.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure you know the same thing. I know people who are really, really good at name dropping. I feel like, I don't know what the best approach is, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm uncomfortable with it. Even if I'm like, even if I told somebody that I was speaking to you to like, you know, whatever I'd be like, well, I, you know, I, the other day I was taught. And like, by the time I get out the words, people are like, fuck you. You know what I mean? Like, or whatever. And I'm just like, no, but it's like, this is what I do. And it's really exciting. And I get to meet, you know, it's yeah. it's a hard, hard line to balance on. Yeah. It's
1: sort of the same thing. Well then, okay. So we, I, well, I grew up uh, in this you know, culture where that was like a really bad thing to do. But mm-hmm. now, cut to the, you know, 2023, when most of the way that you publicize where you're going to be and what you're doing yeah. is self, uh, you know, what they call that. Self-promotion. You know, self-promotion. And yeah. I I absolutely suck at it. Um, but then there are those people that are really good at it.
2: Yeah, it's I I, my friends and I talk about that all the time where I'm like, you know, the the advantage that younger generations have is not that they learned how to use technology. I mean, we all kind of basically figure out how to do it at this point. But if you grew up in front of a cell phone in front of a video, they they can just do it like it's nothing like they roll out of bed and do it. I have a real hard time doing anything one on one. If I have to talk to my phone and be like, you know, excited about it, I just feel like I'm lying. Like, I had to send somebody a hat. I had to send a comedy club. It was, like, their something year anniversary. And they asked, like, a bunch of headliners to, like, send in a thing. And I was like, yeah. It took me 12 different times to sound genuine. And it w- And by the last one, I was like, I'm sorry. This is just my voice. Uh, I'm really happy you guys are, <laughs> you know. I was like, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I- I-, I I, am genuinely pleased, but I just don't sound it. So, yeah. yeah. I'll get it.
1: Yeah, there, are, there. Are, yeah, people are very comfortable with the phone. There are those people that document their own illness in the hospital bed. <laughs> yeah. Wow, would I not enjoy that? Right. Oh God, no, I know. I told my.
2: I was like, I was like, are we going to be that generation that's like Snapchatting our final heartbeat on a monitor, like hashtag LOL, <laughs> like, yeah, like I, time to die. I don't know. How
1: about on Twitter with everybody telling about their loved ones who died? Yeah. And oh, I, I understand. Part of it I understand. Oh, okay. I, I don't mean to judge exactly. Well, I'm mm-hmm. judging a little bit. <laughs> I'm ju- judge uh, I am judging a little bit. But here's the thing. It's not just that they're doing it. It's when they're doing it. I've yeah. literally read tweets from people that say, my husband died an hour ago. Yes. You yes. know, okay. <laughs> really? At, and yeah. you got nothing else to do right now? <laughs> <laughs> I know. What, 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 what do you live in a, a cement pipe? Is there no one you can, I mean, that's,
2: yeah. I I agree completely. I've seen people photograph people in the hospital with them, like, as they're on. And I'm like, God damn, like, you know, oh, that, that, it just seems so disingenuous.
1: Yeah. It's, there's something about it that's. It
2: is. And yeah. you know what the other thing is, too, is like, I just don't know if that like to me, I'm like, maybe now I just think that's fucking weird. And that's how everybody else does things. Like, I wonder if they're looking at me like, God, why didn't you tweet your grandfather's last words? <laughs> well, I don't know. Well, I yeah, was right. Yeah. Too busy it's
1: because, listening. It's because you didn't care. That's yeah. why. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, exactly. I'm not even I have a, a an elderly dog. I don't even feel that comfortable taking pictures of him because I don't feel he's at his finest. Right?
2: (laughs) That's so true, though. I don't
1: want him to get a hold of my phone one day and be just scrolling through and go, oh, come on. That's, look, my eyes are cloudy. I got goo in this one eye. Look how how salt and pepper my snout is. That's not fair.
2: Or like those videos you see of dogs missing a ball and they're like, come on, man. That's not, I could catch a ball. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, ah. I can do this. Uh, the book that you wrote, though, about happiness and stuff like that, are you? Do you consider yourself to be a a somebody who seeks happiness constantly, or are you okay with those moments? That, like, because I've, I think I've just not just learned. I'd say within the last few years, five, six years, whatever, that like happiness is a feeling, just like anything else, and I'm not obligated to uh, be that thing twenty four fucking seven, right? but are you comfortable in your own kind of like uh, being present just being like, okay, I'm not happy. I'm not sad. I'm just existing.
1: I don't think I think about it all that much, Mm. but, but I, what I think I figured out um, from reading some stuff on the topic and perhaps from my own experiments with Mm. happiness uh, is well, a so much of it is just biochemistry. And I know you may be thinking, she must be a genius to understand biochemistry. I don't. Um, But what I do know is that there are like about five happy chemicals that get released in the brain. And there's very specific things that you can do to release those happy chemicals. Oh. And I so to... I am uh and so I'm aware of that. Mm. And and uh y- you know, just for example, exercise is one. I loathe exercising, mm. but I I do, you know, say to myself like, you know what? I got to go for a walk. Yep. You know, I got to be outside, I have to be near trees. Uh okay, during um during the stay at home order, mm-hmm. I did a lot of videos for people, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's how I feel about that. But um, I did occasionally in these videos, I would talk about, uh, you know, uh, happiness because it was such a depressing time for sure. everybody. Yeah, And uh, and one of the things that I would do. OK, do you know that? Do you know the thing where you can pretend to eat a lemon and it actually makes you pucker?
2: Oh no! I've never. I didn't know that. Yeah, do it now. Just
1: pretend to eat a lemon, right? A yeah, slice yeah. Of a wedge, right? hmm
0: I can feel actually,
1: it, right? So I showed that to my kids years ago. They to they're all adults now. They to this day think I make that up, and I do it on purpose. <laughs> I go, and what would be the upside of that again? Yeah. But here's what I discovered in a very similar vein, which is what I always recommend to people is that they sing put on some music and sing along with it. Okay. And, and I often recommend, if I say, well, just sing a song, I often recommend a Christmas song. And the reason I recommend that, and it's not a religious thing one way or the other, it's because, you know, the truth is, when you go to sing a song, a lot of times you realize, gee, I, I, I don't know the words to any songs. Right. Um, but a lot of Christmas songs you do because you just heard them so damn many times. And yeah. I'm telling you, when I do the demonstration, I always go, I always go, uh, all right, like if I say, like, okay, so what if I just sing, have a holly jolly Christmas? And when you walk, and then I always go, look.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: It is the damnedest thing. It's wow. just like the lemon branch. Wow. I don't know why that happens. And when you walk down the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't help
2: it. You got to bob your head. It's the
1: weirdest damn thing. There are things that just, and and I, I have to believe if I automatically smile with my face, I have to believe that I get some sort of hit of Happy Chemical. That's true, yeah. In my head. And And, and I think anytime
2: you sing like Burl Ives, it's going to
1: work. Oh, I don't know. Um, (laughs) Wait. It was one, you know, I think when I was five, four or five, I got a Burl Ives album. It was uh, Little White Duck and other songs, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know. There was one about somebody shooting a gray goose. Holy I don't shit. know if that would cheer you up. No. I don't think I ever, even bro lives, I don't think I, for the most part, listened to the words very carefully, like really thinking about, oh, they're talking about shooting a, 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 a goose out of the sky. Oh my God. I don't think I really processed it. I got to um, look that
2: one up, because I only know the Ugly Bug Ball and the Duck one that you were talking about. Remember Ugly Bug Ball? No. Oh, that was a Disney one. He used to do on like, the Disney sing-along stuff, and- uh, it was all animated. So, like, he was walking around in real life, but he had these little animated Disney bugs. And I have to send it to you. It's, um, How did it's, um, I miss that? The Sherman Brothers wrote that song.
1: Oh, I love the Sherman Me Brothers. Me too.
2: Oh, my God. When Every time decided?
1: I see that Richard Sherman is trending, I, of yep. course, like, am in a panic because he's elderly now. And I think, oh, my goes? God. Um, And it always turns out that it's that damn football player.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's so true. Which is certainly...
1: Oh, oh, oh! So, I've for many years done a show called Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Oh, yeah. That's made by NPR. It's a comedy news quiz show. Mm -hmm. And I'm very lucky to get to be a part of it. And so one time, uh, and we we do do the majority of them in Chicago. Mm -hmm. So one time I'm on the plane flying to Chicago. And Adam Felber, who also does the show... Uh, was also on the plane flying to Chicago. It's a long, long time ago. And uh, Adam and I, we, we'd only met once or twice at that point. Okay. So we're talking on the airplane about everything and nothing, right? <laughs> no particular, uh, you know, subject matter. Mm-hmm. And somewhere along the way, we talk about the kind of music we like. <laughs> and I, I, and we talk, uh, and I say, you know, I love the Sherman brothers. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I had ever said their names at that point in my life. No one ever had ever called upon me to do so. But I said, I love the Sherman brothers, you know, bare necessities. Um, uh, you know, I don't, I don't see how it gets any better than that. Right. And, uh, that darn cat. Oh yeah. Is them too. Yep. And, um, so whatever. Now we arrive in Chicago. We go to the, you know, to the, Chase Bank Auditorium, where we did the show at that time. Mm -hmm. And we're told there's a section of the show uh, where they play a game they call Not My Job. (laughs) And they take somebody who's very well known for doing one thing, and they ask them quiz questions about another topic that that there's no reason they would know anything about. It's very funny and fun. So we get there, and they say, today's Not My Job guest is Richard Sherman. Oh, my God! Now, what are the odds of that? right? Well, so I ended so he was just over the phone. I didn't meet him personally, but um that w- that was my uh, my connection to Richard Sherman and that him and his wife lived uh, uh live in the l a area somewhere, and right. so I was able to invite them to a ping pong party at my house.
2: Oh my God, that is so awesome. That was gas.
1: I know that's name dropping, but come no, on. That
2: was great. That was good. Oh my God. That is beautiful.
1: I, I, I'll counterbalance that by saying, I probably sucked at ping pong that day.
2: <laughs> Isn't that always the way? Yeah. <laughs> you, the, you invite people that you admire over, and you're just yeah, like, yeah. like why'd, she, why'd she want us to play ping pong? She sucks. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it was yeah. Yeah. Watch you just trash. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. He was, I, I, that's I incredible. mean, I had no idea. I guess it was when they were doing a, um, they were doing the the stage show of Mary Poppins. Oh, okay. And so we had this kind of revival. and he, uh, uh, But I didn't know. It. I mean, I had not even heard about that at that time. So it's right. just a total coincidence for me. But oh. I do. I love them. You know, the year that I think it was Bare Necessities that was up for a um, Academy Award for Best Song. Right. And it went to uh, Doctor Doolittle. Talk to the animals. Really. And you know, I like. It's not bad, but like I, not no, as good as. Bear Necessities. it's necessity. not as good as it's not no. as, good as bare necessities. No, or
2: absolutely not. That's it's. It's funny that you said the uh, when you see when you see their name trending because you whatever I, I think about that and I think about any time I see a picture of Dick Van Dyke posted somewhere, my oh, heart. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like,
1: sure please I...
2: don't take that man. I love yeah. Dick Van Dyke. That scares the shit out of me.
1: He came to a ping pong party at my house once.
2: Oh, my
1: God. Okay. Not to name drop, <laughs> but he did. And here's the thing. So I forget why I had his address. We'd met a number of times. Wow. At various fundraiser-y kind of things. Right. You know. Um. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, we met enough to say hi. Yeah. I don't think he he couldn't necessarily have picked me out of a lineup. Um, but you know, if I were to say to him, Oh Dick, it's me, you know, Paul Poundstone, he'd go, Oh yeah. Like that kind of, right. So, okay. So I, for some reason I had his address. I, I have no idea why in retrospect, but so, and I send out paper invitations. I pride myself in my invitations. Nice. And, uh, So and I give or I used to pre-COVID give ping pong parties in my backyard, probably uh, at our peak. We did probably five a year, Um, but, you know, more likely three or so a year, more average. Um, But so for many, many years, Dick Van Dyke has been on my invitation list. He's somebody I send an invitation to Mm -hmm. and uh, he never came. (laughs) <laughs> but it turned out that he knew somebody who knew me that comes to the parties and they talked him into coming. Wow. And so, you know, I'm in my backyard being the hostess and somebody runs in and goes, Paula, different Dyke's in your, in your living room. And uh, so I run in the house and I go, Dick, uh, you know, so nice to see you and his lovely wife, our, wife, Arlene. And so we chat for a few seconds and I, I go, I'm so glad you came. And I go, Dick do you get my invitations? And he said, yeah. And I said, because I've been sending them for 15 years. I said, did you know that they were from me? He said, yeah. Making it clear to me that it was a very specific rejection. It It wasn't like a fallible older guy's memory or, gee, I'm busy on that night. It was just plain... Yeah, we never had any desire to... (laughs) All right, so, again, this is a party, you know, when we have this party, we have to go to storage and get the boxes out of storage that have the supplies for the ping pong party and it's been basically the same party, Uh, you know, I used to have a a CD player that had five slots in it, Yeah, and so we play the same five CDs and they would just play over and over again for I don't know how many years. Um, There's certain uh, tenants of the party that are just always so. Right. And uh, so one of the things is, um, you know, I use like uh, plastic disposable plates. By the way, I've switched. I don't anymore. Okay. Um, I finally bought like just plates. I don't know why I didn't do it a thousand years ago. But (laughs) my point is, um, so people throw them away. Mm -hmm. But the day after the party, I go through the trash. Mm-hmm. And I take out any plate that's not, you know, torn or has a hole in it or something. And I wash them and nice. reuse them, unbeknownst to my guests all these years. <laughs> and I take out the pizza crusts and and I put that in the mulch and I sort out anything that's recyclable. It's a, it's a horrible day after experience. <laughs> um, but so, all right, so I'm having this party. And uh, and Dick Van Dyke's there. And it was a very busy night. We we had tons of people. I don't know why. Some are more busy than others. And people come up to me and they go, "Uh, Paula, you don't have any more plates. And I go, oh, uh, okay. Now, Dick didn't play ping pong that night. He sat up on the porch and watched. Right. And the trash can was right beside him. And I say to my friend, Annie from Massachusetts, you know her, mm-hmm. I say, uh, <laughs> I say, Annie, you have to help me. Uh, I have to gather the plastic plates out of the trash cans and wash them because we don't have any plates. So Dick Van is sitting beside the trash can and and I'm going through it behind, you know, behind him. And uh, I, I noticed, I said, Dick, can I offer you anything? No, no, I'm good. <laughs> oh yeah guy guy, guy ate like a bird um,
2: do, you, um, do you by the way do you only send ping pong invitations to people locally or or if yeah. I like you do okay because I would what, say what, I would want to come I would fly I listen I would hang over your fence I don't even have to be involved like like I just want to like like peek over the edge yeah I would love to not inviting myself but I would I'm telling you what I would do I'll we dig ha- through your garbage. You want me to do that? I'll uh, sneak around.
1: Well, I could use the help.
2: Um, I look like somebody who does, so I could already yeah, just blend fantastic. in. fantastic.
1: Oh, thank um, you. I made a, as I say, I do pride myself in my invitations. And I made one one time that was, um, so there was a picture of my backyard. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, because, of course, we take pictures, right? Yeah. yeah. So there was a picture of the party going on in my backyard and i i i i blew it up and some of the pe and i put heads of celebrities onto many of my friends bodies hilarious and uh we actually found a picture of obama playing ping pong and so that <laughs> you know that was featured but Beautiful. a lot of it was the body belonged to a friend of mine and then i just took and one of them damn i'm not going to remember her name starts with a o um she's Uh, uh, Black, she was in Hidden uh, Figures Hidden, oh um, 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 Octavia Octavia Spencer Spencer. Yeah. So when you say hang over the fence (laughs) I I did one where Octavia Spencer was I think she was looking over the fence Um, And In my mind it was just that That she had That she was trying to come in from the back Because that's where all the noise is and that we just had, you know, I had that the that I had yet to unlock the gate, but uh, anyways, yeah, that was and I th- who else was in that maybe Barbra Streisand and maybe oh. Lady Gaga, they weren't actually there, right? Right, I just used, but that's their, fantastic, uh, yeah, yeah.
2: I love, I actually love ping pong. One of my friends had their parents are the moving, best. it is, and they and I, the the, the length. Of, I won't even bore you with it, but I went to like extreme lengths to get a free ping pong table because you know how expensive they are. Like, yeah, but my friend's parents were moving and they were moving into a smaller house. And, and I used to play, you know, at their house all the time. And they're like, Oh, we're getting rid of that ping pong table. And I was like, the fuck you are like, I will come and get like, like, is it free or like, what's the deal? And they were like, if you can get it out, we'll give it to you. And it was like, you know, they're heavy. It was in their basement.
1: Really heavy.
2: Yes. But I was like, no, I'll take it. And I did, I snagged it out of there and I've, I've known to play with, but I, I have it. So the <laughs> it's first, anybody.
1: the first table that I ever had, you know, that was my, my I mean, my parents had one that was really just a, a board that my father painted on top of, uh, uh, horses, wooden horses. Aww. Um, but, but the first one that I, you know, that I bought that I owned, I, I, I owned it when, uh, I used to, uh, Bus tables at a restaurant in Boston, and um, I lived in a five floor walk up in uh, a rooming house. Wow! And I bought a ping pong table, and I hired movers. I think it was to bring it up for me because I uh, there's no way I could bring it up all that way. So heavy, yeah. And it was, but but I only had a room. I didn't have like a living room and a kitchen and a, I just had a room with a sink and in that, (laughs) in a rooming house, you use the bathroom down the, down the hall with the Mm -hmm. other renters. And, um, but when you would come into my, and I, there was a bed in there, but I, I don't sleep in a bed anyway. So I put the mattress just sort of going up the wall in the closet.
0: Okay. And,
1: uh, when you would come into the, when you would come into the, my, my room, um, you know, I'd unlock the door and then you'd have to sort of hug the wall around the table. Um, it was the it was the dominant feature.
2: Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, and, it was... and it's
1: not, you couldn't play. I mean, I played people there, but you couldn't play particularly effectively because you need to be able to get a distance from yeah, the yeah. table. And but swing. The, it was such a small room that you were like, <laughs> you know, yeah.
2: That's great. Wait, you don't sleep in a bed. Can I ask you? Because I, for a long time, have uh, thought about getting rid of my bed and getting a hammock in my room instead because oh, I love hammocks. that Sounds kind
1: of nice, right? Uh, no, I don't have in? a hammock. I just sleep on the floor. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, I feel like first of all, I'm almost always so tired mm-hmm. that you don't really need fancy anything for me. I can just <laughs> I can I just fall asleep anywhere. Yep. You know, I mean, I could. Uh, you know, I could fall. <laughs> I can fall asleep just behind the cereal boxes in a grocery store. I'm, you know, and now we're there. I wake up and there's my breakfast. Um, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I, I was so, drunk. I mean,
2: this—I don't know if this counts. I was drunk, but I. Um, no, that doesn't
1: count. That's not sleep. That's passing out.
2: You're right. That is passing out. But I did. Pa- I, I would. I. I was proud of myself in particular because I didn't drive, but I looked oh, like good. I was going to. Like I had gotten to my car. And instead of doing anything, I apparently got on top of it and totally snoopied and just just wow. laid on top of the car and fell asleep. And I woke up the next day on top of my car.
1: Wow, boy, nice. that's that's lucky on a number of levels. Thank you. Know, you. I was I was driving one night, um, and uh, I, I I I have not been a drinker for twenty something years, but oh, I correct. was before that, right? Um, and got myself in big trouble. <laughs> and uh, uh you know totally regrettable blah 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 right. but but anyway so i don't drink so uh <laughs> but one night a few years ago i was driving home from somewhere and it was late at night and the truth is when you drive tired it's a little bit like drunk driving because you yeah. do lose your judgment Absolutely. and you know you start to fall asleep yep and um so i stupidly was about you know to nod off and you tell yourself in your lack of judgment um, that, because, you know, your heart pounds when you realize that, you know, you almost, you, you know, that you doze. Yeah. So you tell yourself, well, I'm awake now because you had this big adrenaline rush, but you're not. Right. Um, so it took me like two, two moments of that before I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm just an ass. <laughs> and, uh, I, 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 then I looked for an exit to get off and, and go to a, a hotel and, um, I, I found this exit that had a um, a big Comfort Inn sign, like the the way tall one, so you could actually see it from the freeway. Right. And uh, so I pull and I go and it goes. And, but then when I get into their parking lot, underneath the big um, uh, logo of Comfort Inn, there's the white sign where they put their own letters. Oh, yeah, yeah. And on that part of the sign, it says, we treat you like family. I'll tell you something. I laid a patch getting out of that parking lot. I thought (laughs) the last thing I want is Uh, to stay in a hotel where they treat me like family. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I got. I. What does that mean? There was. So you go to check in, and the and the clerk at the counter says i need a new phone right. <laughs> i don't want to be treated like family they, yeah. why are you wearing that why would i, I want to be
2: s- treated like family yeah right. why would i want to stay somewhere where somebody thinks i'm a jerk
1: like yeah that's, exactly <laughs> you,
2: you don't come to the parties why don't you come to your, <laughs> yeah why don't you come to our weddings oh yeah. no i don't yeah. want you yeah
1: yeah i don't that's, the family though
2: that's brutal Ooh,
1: i shudder so oh yeah so so
2: when you were younger did you were you the only one in your family show business oriented or did you that wanted to go and be an outgoing yeah you were yeah would you remember the first person that you saw doing it that made you give you that kind of kick like oh my god i could do that
1: oh to stand up
2: yeah stand up
1: um i I, you know Stand-up was, uh, bait, was essentially a late-night medium when I was growing up. I grew up in a small town in Massachusetts, and mm-hmm. we didn't have nightclubs. Um, okay. uh, and it was sort of essentially a, a late, like, like, you know, The Tonight Show, of course, was on late. Right. And uh, um, my parents never really enjoyed my company enough to have me stay up that late. and So I, I really – so we had Bill Cosby albums. Okay. And I love those Bill Cosby albums. And – it never occurred to me that those were recorded in the location oh. and that he was on stage at that location. Although as I listened in my adult life, you know, you can hear they were, they were largely, uh, produced by Alan. Um, uh, um, oh my God. I just looked. Yeah. That. Uh, hey. hello, mother. Hello. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I can't even, I'm blanking
2: on his name. This happens yeah. on every episode yeah. of the show. It might be the show. I don't know if it creates memory loss it's or what. It's a lot of stress. It's a dystopia. That's
1: what it is. It's a lot of stress. <laughs> it right? totally is. But yeah. And the name, it's not a hopeful name. No. <laughs> so you're under a lot of stress. Absolutely. Um, uh, I'll think of it when I don't need it, but uh, indeed you can hear, you know, you can hear ice and glasses and and things clinking and stuff. When you listen yeah. carefully, I, that was just not the sound I was listening for. When I was a kid, I was listening, um, you know, to kids' words and the chicken heart. And right, right. Uh, so, you know, one could argue that I was familiar with stand-up from him. Mm-hmm. But somehow, it uh, – I don't know. You know that maybe I maybe probably the first person I saw do stand-up on TV might have been somebody like David Brenner. Maybe. Oh, uh, okay um you know kind of that i still remember one or two of david brenner's jokes that you oh know that God. he
2: did um i remember it, a bit he did that my mom showed me when i was young it was a roller coaster bit on the tonight show and I, I i i won't even try to repeat it because i haven't seen it since it's one of those ones that i'm like did i make that up but i remember laughing so hard and i'm sure he's done it in other specials but it was just that moment on the tonight show that he did it and it was a roller coaster thing and for a kid was listening to an adult talk about a roller coaster. I mean, I was like, I was like, this is great. Like he gets it. Like, yeah. It gets me. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, it was crazy. It was so, so funny though. I can't, I, I wish I could find it. I was
1: on a, uh, this it's Sudbury where I was raised. It's a small town, you know, okay. not a lot going on. If you wanted to, there were one or two sort of clothing boutiques Um, and there was a couple grocery stores and, you know, hardware store, Mm -hmm. but if you wanted to, you know, shop like a department store, you'd have to go to a different town. We didn't have anything like that. Um, but the, 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 there was a fair that used to come to town once a year. Oh my gosh, the excitement. (laughs) Um, and, uh, (laughs) It's such a weird word, by the way. Where do they get fair? Why do they call it a fair? That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, is it
2: though? It's not really. Have you seen the prizes?
1: You know, for for children that weren't as lucky as me, they were brought to an unfair. Where (laughs) seconds after they got on the ride, it just stopped. Oh, Oh come on, that's not fair. Uh, or they went to throw the beanbags and the guy just took their money and that was that. Both, don't I get the, <laughs> yeah. the beanbags? What if I throw right. it through the dragon's mouth? No, you don't. Yeah. That's unfair. Right. Um, we, uh, I live in Santa Monica, California, and Monica. Uh, we have this Santa Monica Pier, which mm-hmm. is uh, an, an amusement park. Yeah, yeah. Um. Uh, uh, and, and when my kids were little, we didn't go a lot, mm-hmm. but we went every so often. So when my son was about He might have been three or four. Maybe he was four, I guess. We went there and we bought the bracelets where you can, you know, you can go on any ride you want as many times as you want all day long. And uh, so we all had the bracelets. And uh, he went on this ride called the Frog Hopper. And what the Frog Hopper does is you it's a it's a vertical ride. Mm -hmm. You sit in a chair. You'll recognize it when you sit in a chair. And the chair is fastened to like a giant pole and uh-huh. many other people are sitting in chairs. And the thing takes you up really fast and then drops you right and, and, and then back up and then back down. And it's programmed uh, like it's computerized. It's programmed. There's nobody put, you know, the guy might push right. the switch to turn it on. Right. But he doesn't. He doesn't decide, you know, when it should go up or when it should go down or how high up or how low. So my son, there wasn't a big line there. So he, I don't think he even had to get off. I think like there weren't, you know, there wasn't a big enough line that he had to get off and wait in line. Right. So because he had that bracelet, he went on this ride literally like 20 times <laughs> and he figured out when it was going to go up and when it was going to go down. But the weird thing that he also figured out was that okay, so there's the man running the ride who's really not doing anything. Right. And so my son would pretend that the man was doing something. And he would say <laughs> to him, Okay, take me down. <laughs> and the ride would go down. Oh my god, like a crowd gathered watching this. Because wow. it was the funniest damn thing. And the thing is about the the ride attendant that was he was pissed. <laughs> He didn't like it like this four-year-old boy was making him like his bitch. It, he didn't like it that my kid was making it like my kid was telling him what to do.
2: Oh, my God. That's, I think, that makes it even better.
1: I think it boarded, It boarded on brilliant. I, my yep. son was a little – he was a little – He's a he was a cynical lad. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he said to me one day in the car – I don't know. He might have been eight or ten at the time. He said, Mom, what do I get when you die? Holy shit. I said debt, and I want you to have it. Yeah. Uh,
2: I hope I, that – so is he – would you be cool with them going into show business?
1: Oh, they never would. They never uh, would? Yeah. Oh, I don't tell them what to do. I never oh, okay. did. Oh, That's cool. I never did. Uh, uh, and, I, and I used to tell them that when they were growing up. Yeah. I would say, you know what? You're going to do what you're going to do. And yeah. frankly, it's not even my business. Yeah, um, you, you know it's entirely up to you. I started as a stand-up when I was 19 years old, and I me can't too. tell you how many people said to me, Did they say this to you? What do your parents think?
2: One e- and, every fucking time.
1: And I would say, I have no idea I didn't ask them because <laughs> I don't care.
2: Right, right. And that's the that's a huge difference, though, I think, between like the generations because You guys did you guys just every time I talk to somebody who's like an idol of mine or whatever, who started stand up like, you know, in the 80s, 70s, 80s, like no one knew where you guys were. You guys just picked up and moved or went to L.A. And like the entire time in the back of my head, because my parents weren't as bad as like the kids coming up now or whatever with their helicopter parents and surrounding them 24 seven. But like, you know, they still were kind of like, oh, where are you going? What are you doing? What do you think about doing? Whatever it is before they finally let me like, you know, do whatever the fuck I wanted. But like you guys, I feel like, you know, you were just driving around, leaving town. Like it, it, I've lived well, for I, that. You know, I wish I, that was I left
1: home. It's, it's, I left home. I went to a school for fucked up kids when I was 17. Oh, OK. And uh, and I and I was out. Uh, I was only there for eight months, um, but, you know, I was able to compete in the sports we had a great football team it was called the school for fucked up kids and okay. uh, it's very very powerful in, in the high school league um yeah so I, I mean i left there i didn't go back home and okay. so I, I i mean i still knew my parents but mm-hmm. i didn't I, you know i no longer asked uh you know permission for anything i i i paid for myself and i had the the help of friends and things like that right yeah Um, yeah. but you know makes it and you know what it was a lot easier to do back then you could live pretty pretty damn cheap yeah Um, absolutely you know i i I always told my kids that they should get jobs at restaurants when they were young i said because you'll never go hungry right Uh, um and and by the way that's all it took for none of them to ever work at a restaurant. That was all it took.
2: Just your recommendation.
1: Yeah, I swear. <laughs> That's great. My, my middle kid, um, I, I, she, when you know, when you're in the fourth grade and you choose your instrument. Oh yeah, um, yeah. She chose the violin and nice. she still plays. Love and it. Um, And she also was in gymnastics. And I always wondered if she didn't pursue those particular things that you sort of choose at those ages because they she knew for sure i couldn't give any advice on them like if she'd played something else i might have known a little something about and sure. able to say well no honey you want to hold it like this or you know i could tell her like no in basketball you want to do you know my head fake, yeah, yeah. Do right but gymnastics boy got nothing for you there wow
2: that is kind of genius though like she was yeah. like i don't want to be taking direction there the, like i feel like that has to come from you though. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if that's genetics or whatever it is, but I, I, I do kind of feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but even your personality, like comedy wise, like you have such a unique style, even the people that you name, like Cosby and Brenner, they're not like you, you're not like them. And no. they, like you perform in a very distinct way. Um, where do you did that? I'm mean, is probably one of those questions. Comedians always hate and avoid, and I'm sorry for asking it. Cause I feel like I'm betraying my own kind, but do, do you know where that cultivated from? Where, was that? the way your brain worked as a kid? Is that the way you decided to develop your comedy? Like, cause it is very odd. Like it's, it's, it's inspiring to
1: watch. My, uh, a lot of my approach to telling my little jokes on stage Mm -hmm. has to do with the fact that I have no memory. I can't, (laughs) uh, my, I can't remember things. I can't remember a set list. Right. Uh, And if I did, you would see the struggle on my face the whole time trying to. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And it would distract from, you know, the the fun part. I mean, I I can memorize like a five-minute set, maybe, maybe. But um, I like to do, I do about two hours. Uh, I work work in theaters largely. Uh, There's about four music clubs around the country that I'll do, but mostly it's theaters. Uh, And uh, I don't have an opening act um, nice. uh, just out of sheer selfishness. I don't <laughs> want to give up any of my time. I get I've, it. Uh, I have the best audience in the world and I refuse to share them with anyone. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of, yeah, it's not, it's not like a, it, it's not, you know, you know how they always talk about, you know, so-and-so so uh, is great. They were a great performer and they, and they brought others along and they helped others out. i I'm not,
0: <laughs>
2: I love that though.
1: I'm terrible. I'm very I'm very selfish. I no. just want my audience, you know, for for 2 hours. And I, I get have it. opened for like I opened I've opened I've opened for musicians a couple of times. And and, and well, I guess no. A, a better way of going at this is as an as an audience member. Mm-hmm. When I've gone to shows because I want to see this headliner. Right. And I've I, gone to shows where they don't even mention who else would be on the bill. Right. You know, and you get there and you're stuck with this person that you had no, you know, well, gee, this isn't really what I came to see. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. That's- Although I saw this band called Johnny Clegg and Savuka. Ooh. Um, that was a South African band. I saw them at the Greek one time. They were opening for Tracy Chapman and, wow. uh, Oh my god, they were great. And I yeah. never would have known of them had she not had them open for but there was like no relationship between the two. Sure. Y- 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 you know? Yeah. Um yeah. So
2: that makes sense. Yeah. I like that. Would you 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 would credit I mean I I remember watching um I think it had to be a recent documentary. Um, but you were in it and you were talking about early comedy and stuff and basically how Robin Williams had kind of changed the landscape and maybe changed you know for that for the better uh could you talk about i mean he was honestly one of my favorite comedians of all time i was cr- like i couldn't understand didn't understand i think the level of impact of the relationship when he passed because you know you know, i didn't know him and i was you know or whatever but you know what? it was devastating
1: he was uh, uh, his death was a loss around the world yeah and 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 there's you know you that's not the case for just everybody, right? Um, but it really was. Uh, um, yeah, you know, he... First of all, Robin went on stage everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, if he... Um, you know, he was working these big, huge venues. Uh, he could be, you know, at some amphitheater somewhere uh, playing to thousands of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but after that show on that same night he would stop by uncle funny's yuck house. (laughs) He was, I always say he was the Tasmanian devil of comedy. He just showed up everywhere. And there was a period of time in the late seventies, early eighties where people, you know, when comedy clubs really took off and was a thing when clubs were being, you know, built specifically to be comedy clubs. a lot of the energy behind that was audiences coming out because they thought they might see Robin Williams. And I don't care how obscure oh. the the location and the truth is they did. Wow. Um, you, you know, so uh, that was, I mean, I, I started in Boston and then I ended up in San Francisco and Robin lived in San Francisco. And so he showed up at the clubs there a lot. But Mm -hmm. I would argue that there is not a club that's still open uh, anywhere in the country um, that was, you know, open in the 80s that doesn't have over the manager's desk a picture of Robin Williams on their stage. Wow. Um, It doesn't matter where in the country. He just he really was, um, you know, it bordered on addiction. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It, you know his need yeah, for that for that kind of thing.
2: Yeah. I'm glad you cleared that up, though, because I think that when I was watching the documentary, I wasn't it wasn't clear whether you meant financial, like he was actually paying to keep sustaining it. But you literally mean because of his presence and the thought yeah. that it might have be might have been there, right? If he was, that's what sustained the clubs.
1: And the other thing that happened, though, particularly for those of us in San Francisco at the time, but I still would say all over the country on some mm-hmm. level, the other thing that happened is um people went out hoping they'd see robin williams and Um, while they waited for him a a number of us nameless people went on mm -hmm. and they discovered that oh they liked us too nice and so you know but they but they wouldn't have even gone out that night was it not for that that you know you can san francisco the the cable car um that's really not all over san francisco. it's in some streets uh, right um, but it it has this the the, the rail that it rides on mm-hmm. is um exposed but you know flat to the to the street, but exposed, and it has this sort of hum of energy that you can hear sometimes and, right. and uh I'm not sure that didn't come from Robin. <laughs>
2: Wow, that's yeah. That's great. Yeah, yeah. That's he really beautiful. was. He
1: was. Uh, San Francisco uh, was so proud of him. Um, that's it, very You nice. know. Yeah. As we were really lucky to. Uh, uh, and I, you know, I just sort of stumbled upon San San Francisco. Uh, right. It was a great place to do comedy back then.
2: Did you have a cl- like a group of guys and and comedians that you hung out with back then, or, or were you yeah. a hangout person? Nice.
1: Yeah, it was. Um, and we all just sort of you know we were all sort of runaways from somewhere you know we all just sort of showed up yeah. um i took a i took a greyhound bus around the country from boston to see what clubs were like in different cities because i just felt that socially not the audience that came out at that time in boston this i started in 79 and the mm. audience that came out uh a lot of them were friends with um the comics sure. right and because um, there, there were some locals there, guys that had grown up in the area. And right. so a lot of that audience, the, the real base of that audience, um, shared a certain style of sense of humor. And anything that veered away from that or didn't mirror that
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, uh, or mimic that, they kind of didn't go, go in for, you know. Right. So I was very hit or miss in Boston. I mean, there were some nights where I happened to... I don't know. I happened to catch him early and, mm-hmm. you know, and, but there were other times where I just I think I just was such an odd duck in okay. in that. Very misogynistic, very, yeah. uh, uh, you know, kind of, I don't know. I, I, and, I, I, and also, you know, and also not very strong as a performer yet. Right. But most of those guys were just starting out. So none of them were very good. In right. fact, looking back, we were awful. But <laughs> you know, but you needed stage time to get better. Sure. And if you weren't a part of the cool kids group, you weren't going to get that stage time, unless right. you had a car. Oh. Uh, you know, you'll notice in any fledgling, like open micer kind of group of comedy, yeah, of, of young people, the guy who has the car becomes a good comic pretty fast, <laughs> because if there's one nighters. You know, where they can book, you know, like, say, outside of Boston, like, we would get booked in Providence, Rhode Island, or, um, uh, I, you know, I can't think, Worcester. Me, um, uh, And so, you know, you had to drive for, like, an hour and a half or something like that there. So, mm-hmm. the, and most of us didn't have cars. Um, so the comic who had the car got hired a lot so they could <laughs> drive all the other comics. <laughs> and they got more stage time than everybody else. Yeah. And so they became... Um, they became stronger performers earlier on. I never Um, thought of that. That's good. So when I ended up in San Francisco, yeah, I did. I hung out with, you know, a bunch of open micers that I met Mm -hmm. and among our group, um, every now and then one of us would get like a paid job there. Uh, But mostly we did, you know, open mic nights or I hosted a lot of open mic nights back then. And, um, and then we, And then we hung out, you know, we, most of us had day jobs still, um, every, and you know, and you were just dying to get rid of your day job, uh, and do what? I don't know, but, (laughs) uh, you know, hang around. We wanted to hang around. That's what we wanted to do. And a lot of us like to hang around and talk about comedy Mm -hmm. and we like to, and we like to hang around and say how we would never go to Los Angeles. This was very (laughs) We were so sincere. We're oh, not we're, because they were generic. Those Los right. Angeles comics. They were, you know, San Francisco. We were the real comics. Uh, Los Angeles just people wow. sold themselves to the devil. We weren't gonna yeah. do it. And uh, yeah, and it's funny because a lot of guys are new in San Francisco. Live here now, but I never see them because um, none of us have yet admitted. <laughs> <laughs> That so we live here. Didn't, you didn't have that trajectory
2: in your mind of like, okay, if I do this for this long, I'm gonna get on TV, and then from TV, I might get a sitcom. Like, you didn't have the uh, a thing mapped out in your head. You were, oh, just
1: oh, oh yeah, I did. Oh, you did. Okay. Uh, yeah, and I I couldn't have been more wrong, but that <laughs> I did. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was very young, I thought that I would have two pools. Oh. Wow. And in one pool, I would keep a seal, uh, and in the other pool, I would keep my otter. <laughs> and, and I would swim every day and, um, I oh, have 10 cute. cats and two big dogs.
2: Oh, nice.
1: And, uh, I have
2: one cat. I have a, I'm a cat. I have a cat. I'm, uh, I almost said I'm a cat. I don't know why I just yeah, said I'm a cat. Yeah. I'm going to cut that out. Uh,
1: <laughs> why? Because you think someone will think that just in case you don't know. So, yeah. I don't yeah. Uh, you know. Well, maybe. Or it'll come. or you'll run for office someday and somebody <laughs> will show that clip. And go, the guy lies. Yeah,
2: he, th- yeah, he lies. He thinks he's a cat. Yeah. And
1: yeah. Actually, I six think, cats. I think George, George Santos has opened a door for you. Don't you worry about it.
2: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that's what a, what a generous man. Uh- <laughs> my favorite thing about George
1: Santos is that his argument about, because he doesn't deny that he lies.
2: No, not at
1: all. What he denies is that it matters. So my favorite thing is when he finally got popped for like a lot of these lies, he said, well, but I'm the same person.
0: <laughs> i didn't even
2: hear that yeah <laughs> yeah, amazing
1: it's great it's oh. such a like it's such a a mind fuck it's yeah. so like your brain folds in on itself when you hear that but oh, i'm totally. the same i'm sick he said i never i i never was trying to fool people yeah yeah well you were talking about boasting before and you know what i think trump one of
2: the things trump ruined is anytime i sound like I'm talking about myself, not even complimenting. But if I go like, oh, yeah, I have a lot of or I'm talking to or a lot of people have. I'm like, oh, my God, I fucking sound like Trump. But I'm like, no, but that's the way you describe a thing. Normal people do. But he ruined it. He ruined red hats and language. Yeah, (laughs) you're right. Like, I just feel icky when I'm like, whenever I'm describing myself in a certain way, I'm like, oh God, just forget about it. Just don't give me the job. Like,
1: <laughs> I would love to see an interviewer anytime he says people people are saying. Yeah. I would like the interviewer to go, who? Right. Who, who are these people? Yeah, yeah. That are saying.
2: And then don't um, stop until he answers. And you can just do like 45 minutes.
0: <laughs>
1: there was a great scene in Red's. Where Jack Nicholson, I can't think of the name of the playwright that he played, but he's talking to Diane Keaton mm-hmm. and she says uh, something to the effect of Jack and I, Jack and I, because the guy that was her partner yeah. uh, was Jack Reed, but um, they, they weren't married. They didn't sort of believe in marriage.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: she said, well, Jack and I, or maybe they had gotten married at this point or something. She said, well, Jack and I, we, we each have our own things. And, uh, and uh, Jack Nicholson goes, what are they? The things (laughs) that you have that are yours.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. That's genius. Oh man. I want to ask you a couple more questions before I let you go. I feel bad. I feel like I've kept you forever. Um, no, I, I,
1: I, I'm having a great time.
2: Oh, great. Did I want, like, I just get curious about artists in lockdown and the pandemic did it change maybe the way, because you you like to go out, you like to perform, you like your own audience, you obviously love doing stand-up, did you appreciate the downtime in the beginning? Did it drive you crazy? Did it change the way you wrote at all, or, or any of your craft?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, just the idea that I write, or have craft. Um, I... I <laughs>
2: <laughs> I just meant mac and cheese. Did you, did yeah, you have, did you find my
1: craft? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, uh, no, I'll tell you what the stay at home order did mm-hmm. because I mean, almost from day one when the theater shut down right. and, um, and by the way, I, I am in support of the fact that they did. Same. I, I don't think anybody did anything wrong by doing that. It no, was nice. sad and depressing and a big part of life to be missing for everybody but, uh, you know, and uh, yes, are there important mental health things that we that, that we kind of screwed up? Yes. Yeah. But um, not everybody died.
2: Right, right.
1: <laughs> so one of the first things that, I mean, literally the first, say, maybe two months, um, I do a lot of benefits. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes, by the way, I'm paid for those benefits. And sometimes right. I'm not. It just depends. Of course, um, yeah. But- uh, I do many of them in Los Angeles and some of them around the country. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm also, generally speaking, booked several months ahead of time. And a lot of times, I mean, several months to a year ahead of time. And a lot of times um, these um, uh, organizations that are having their, their big gala, which are, is really the life's blood financially of the group, um, right. it's uh, they'll have their... Annual gala, but they don't contact me. I mean, maybe the truth is they wanted somebody else and they fell through, <laughs> but they don't. Oftentimes, they don't contact me until I'm already booked. Oh, and so I have great. to say, gee, I'm sorry, I would. I really appreciate your work, um, mm-hmm. but I can't. So now here comes the stay at home order, right? So they know I'm not working anywhere else that night. And what they all did was, of course, what everybody tried to do, which was scramble around and figure out how to do a gala, a fundraiser via Zoom, Mm -hmm. because they have to have that money to continue their their work. And I'm talking about organizations that do very, very good work. Right. Right. Um, So they would put together these shows. And, of course, nobody I mean, everybody was figuring it out as we went along. Nobody knew how to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, you know, with the goofy Zoom stuff, um, yeah, and uh, including you know my own podcast, we st- had to start doing yeah. Zoom from home, and it was very different. You know, very difficult. And a lot of technical mistakes. Blah blah blah. Um, <laughs> but so, they, here's the problem: stand up cannot be done in your living room via Zoom. Right. Whereas, if I was a musician. Uh, that you can do. Yeah. So I kept, you know, I remember I watched the News Hour um, pretty regularly on, on PBS. And uh, and the News Hour did this story about Mary Chapin Carpenter uh, about how she was doing these concerts from her living room. Right. And how intimate it was. And the dog would run through it. Isn't that wonderful? And the fans loved it. And I remember one time, They even, they had some cause where they needed to, um, they actually showed that piece twice. Right. um, As if it didn't annoy me enough the first time, they showed it twice. And I just was like, I fucking hate Mary Chapin Carpenter. I just was so jealous of her. Right. You know, And, and the little bit that I was able to do here um, you know, there was always oh, the lighting's not right. Just, something is wrong. It was never right. But Mary Chapin Carpenter, like if my dog ran through, I'd have to do the whole fucking thing again. Right. But Mary Chip and Carpenter, oh, people are you know the dog's got its own fan club. This is everybody loves Little Miss Fucking Mary Chapin Carpenter. So uh, yeah, I I really it was during that period of time I became angry.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. So when 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 theaters started up again,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: it was very slow going, and people were, uh, you know, a lot of the capacity of the theaters was reduced uh, uh, by the health department. You know, you can only have X amount of people. They had to sit spaced out, which yeah. also for comedy is terrible. Yeah. Uh, just the energy in the room, what you oh. want to do. Uh, optimally, you want to have everybody collected together. So there's that sort of, you know, wave of emotion that comes at you. Totally. And, um, but, you know, of course we couldn't do that because of, uh, you know, trying to mitigate the circumstance with the virus. And, um, and, and the truth is, even at a, even at a reduced capacity, I couldn't sell out even that much because people just weren't coming back. Right. Um, And and I can't blame them. And uh, so one of my first jobs out again, however, was in Virginia. And uh, I was just I I'm in this theater and I'm in the dressing room Mm -hmm. and um, there's a little vase of flowers, a lovely vase of flowers. And a card that says Paula on it, and you know sometimes the theaters will give me flowers. It's very nice. Yeah. Um. But I, what am I going to do with them? I can't. I'm not going to take them home on the airplane. So, um. You know, so I didn't look at it, and I didn't look at it, and then I'm about to go on, and I thought, you know what? I should probably read the card just so I know who to thank. Right. And so I open up the card, and a piece of paper falls out, and the the card itself, written in the card itself, it says. Um, I love you anyways, Mary Chapin Carpenter. (laughs) (laughs) And I had done some interviews (laughs) before I did this show, wherein I told of my frustration about not being able, you know, about trying to do comedy in my living room and how you can't and how angry at me. So uh, I thought, oh, bullshit. (laughs) So I, I opened up the paper that fell out and it was a, a copy of a, uh, like either a transcription, I think, of an interview, and I'm like, no, that was me, oh. and uh, oh my and God. I th- I still thought, oh come on, somebody is teasing me, you right? Know? And then I took my flat thing and I googled Mary Chapin Carpenter, and she lives in Virginia, and uh, oh, my so I went God. out on stage and I told the audience the story, right? And uh, I-, I said, I don't think it really can. Somebody in the audience was like, no. They did. They came from her. <laughs> oh, my God.
2: Amazing.
1: Yeah. That's a yeah. great
2: story, though. I I'm love you anyway. I'm probably the
1: only person who's ever said the words out loud, I fucking hate Mary Chapin <laughs> Carpenter. I mean, she's kind of a lovely singer-songwriter. What is there to hate? Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I probably that... had the angriest, you know, like probably Hilarious. nobody has ever- yeah, it would be like lashing out at Joan Baez. I, I mean, why? <laughs> yeah,
2: what would be the problem? But I mean, perfect conditions to do it. COVID, lockdown, you're not in control of who you ate.
1: You're yeah, coming out of yeah the exactly. I, you, you had know, to pick somebody. Emotions were running wild. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. You were the first person I saw. I latched onto you.
1: <laughs> it really it did give you, it did. I'm sure for lots of us, for lots of reasons, we, we had a renewed appreciation for parts of our lives that we maybe had taken for granted before the stay at home order. And, uh, um, uh, you know, I can't say this for certain, but I may have complained here and there prior to the stay, stay at home order uh, about traveling. Oh yeah. I might have. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) But I can tell you now, not a peep out of me. I (laughs) I hear you. You know, there's, there's flight delays. There's I have to fly in a day early because there's not as many flights as you used to be. I might have to stay in the in the overhead compartment. I don't care. Yep. That's good like, by
2: me. They're like, it's a ten hour drive. I'm like, I'll go. It's fine. Yeah.
1: I'll drive yeah. it. Whatever. What are you yeah, ten my bags are already packed. <laughs> like, yeah, like, oh. when they were talking about Biden's trip to Kiev, you know, yeah, what is, it, what is it, like a ten hour train ride and an X hour, you know, airplane yeah. ride? I'm like. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I would be like that is nothing peanuts.
1: I'm like yeah. what, do, what
2: what train did Danny Kaye and Bing Crosby take to Vermont. I'm taking it. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, exactly.
1: I'll, I'll sing about those, snow and
0: <laughs> those two
1: pl- that was the only song I don't like in that Snow movie is the weird snow song and snow they, was weird. how they make the ski slope with a napkin or something and at a like immediately I'm like I've yeah. never in my life I can't even
2: fold the napkin back up. How the hell are you doing yeah. with that shit? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, I there's a lot of special effects in yeah. white christmas. <laughs> it's all CGI. Avengers yeah, has nothing exactly on White Christmas.
1: <laughs> Bing didn't look anything like that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh my god, yeah. It's so crazy. I feel the same way. I was doing uh I did a, I tried to do a couple Zoom shows like stand-up Ugh. wise and I fucking hated it, but I also it's like awful. I felt bad. I was like, "My god, maybe I don't like stand-up enough." to keep it going like this. And then I was like, no, I like it enough (laughs) to not destroy it for myself. Yeah. Um, And then I started doing this.
1: And the thing is, you know, I'm telling you, I I was doing sometimes a couple of those kinds of things a day. I mean, I never sank as low as to do stand-up per se in my living room. But, you know, we tried different, you know, different ways of – you know, I made videos. I did this. I did that. Yeah. it was all just you, you know, it, it was all just so, uh, so hard. It was. Yes. It was like it was like the scene in Better Call Saul when he drags the money across the desert. That's oh, what it was like. It was. Is. It was really hard. And, the best
2: um, analogy I've ever heard of that. But yes.
1: <laughs> but when people would call me and I would say to them, I'd go, you know what? I'm, you know, I'm a big. I really appreciate your organization's work, and I would love to help. But the truth is, you just cannot do stand-up via Zoom. Right. And they'd go, "Oh, come on! Oh, you can! Oh, you're so funny! We love you!" I go, "Yeah, you know, you just have to have an audience." And they'd go, and of course, with with Zoom, you can get like the the heads in the boxes. Yeah. Um, but that's not really the same as an audience. And yeah. and the and there's all these delays and stuff. Um, although the, I have to say, this connection is is pretty damn good. I Thank mean, you. when I make when I make my um, uh, podcast, uh, we are connected via Zoom, and we're constantly tripping over each other
2: you got got uh, StreamYard has been very, very good. We've used StreamYard throughout uh, for, for other charity benefits that we do for the MS1 we got coming up. And for I've done 200 and something episodes of this dystopia tonight, and it's always been good. Never Wow, never that's great. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. I, so it just and the people would always say to me, though, when I would when I would say like, oh, I just, you know, I just can't do stand up. They would go. We'll laugh.
2: Oh, my God. And
1: why does that not feel good?
2: Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly. I remember doing. So we did a, um, we did one benefit thing. Um, we we broke a Guinness World Record because we did a, um, the longest streaming, like comedy event. Like, right, nobody really had to do any stand up. Some people kind of did, but we had over three hundred comedians on. And wow. It was yeah. It was, was this
1: another thing where you stayed up for a long time? I'm telling you, you were gonna drop dead from. Future. <laughs> Probably very soon. I'll be surprised if you make it through to the end of this. this is, you really have to care for your sleep hygiene. I really,
2: I really have to get better at it. You're absolutely right. Um, I'll, I'll tell my doctor. I'm like Paula Poundstone is very concerned about me. Can you, yeah. uh, can you help me out? Yeah. Um, these, we these, did, we these... did, we did a um. It was 93 hours. I didn't stay up for 93 hours, but you know, I had intermittent sleep and then woke up, whatever. And then we um. the the people who donated the most money to the children's uh, brain tumor foundation got to pick their favorite comics and they could, they literally had to do a a set. I didn't even know, but I was one of them and I thought we were just going to go on and do like a Q and a whatever with a bunch of people. And then one of the guys was like, Hey, are you prepared? And I was like, I guess, (laughs) like, I don't know. We're just going to sit there. And he was like, no, you got to do like 10 minutes. And I was like, "Fuck!" and, but I did it and it was a lot of fun, but there was, uh, somebody in a box and his and they were on a couch and his wife was facing us and he was facing the other direction and you could see flashes of so he's watching a football game or whatever it was while we're and i was just like and then i of course like kind of ripped on him a little bit because i couldn't you couldn't help it but i'm like you know he was reacting to the game and i was like sir i'm funny but i'm not stand up and scream funny so i don't know (laughs) I don't know what wow. you're over there. Yeah, yeah, and it was yeah. that kind of shit, though. You know what I mean? Where you were like, yeah. "This is abnormal." And well, because people
1: what... are in their houses. Yeah, yeah I mean, exactly. You know, it's you watch, you you watch a screen the way you watch TV. I mean, yeah. Bob Odenkirk has no idea that I get up to let the dog out three times while I was watching Better Call Saul. Last yeah, ex- night. <laughs>
2: exactly. And don't tell him. I won't. I won't let him know if I ever see him. Um, he'll. Would it be great if you actually got? Uh, I sent this clip to him, and you got a little flower pot with a note in it. Bob Odenkirk. Oh yeah, I yeah. love you so, anyway. Love you
1: anyway. Bob <laughs> yeah, Oden- even though
2: oh. that's great. Um, well, I want to plug your podcast to you. uh Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone. How often do you get that out? What is the is? It's the- so
1: it's weekly. And, and wait a sec. Wait a sec. Sure, hold sure. on.
2: I love the I- Desi Arnaz and Lucille Ball. Um, what you had cut out? You have. Oh, so thank awesome. you.
1: It's a it's a bench. Oh, it's a bench. Yeah, so I'm sort of here. I'll show you. Oh my god! I'm sitting, you know, kind of in their laps. Epic. See, and there's their legs. I don't know. That's the coolest
2: fucking thing ever.
1: Yeah. Well, and 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 the Three Stooges one is in the other room. Oh my Um, god! So, all right. And I love your hat, by the way. Oh, thank you. I I
2: can't wear hats like that, but I, I I wish I was cool enough to pull off a hat. Uh.
1: I have many more hats than I actually wear, but um, oh. this is, this is my uh, class. I got this back when I was working for mother Jones magazines um, oh, and nice. it's my, my press hat. Um, all right. So I am not good at describing my podcast. And by the way, it's not, it's not like wildly different than any number of podcasts. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not going to pretend that, but, but I'm not, you know, it's a comedy podcast and yeah, yeah. and we usually interview somebody that has real information to share and, uh, Excellent. um, and you know, there's little sidebary things and like that it's a podcast, uh, yes. but I'm not good at describing it. And so, uh, I, I, I often ask uh, the audience to send in, you know, some sort of description of it. And here's just a few, um. Uh, one person said, uh, it's a, a modern day fun house, which oh, I really like.
2: Very nice. Um, I love that.
1: One person said, it was voted the best possible waste of time, three years running. <laughs> and that's high praise. <laughs> yeah, that's very um, good. And then, uh, I I don't know, this one I feel is layered. Somebody said, this podcast is like eavesdropping on the teacher's lounge in between classes.
2: Wow. That's good.
1: Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I do, I do too. Uh, that's really so great. so there, um, it, it's, you know, it's where you can get it, where people get their podcasts. I don't know why yeah. we don't say that. <laughs> I know, but, it's um, like. <laughs> also, if that's too complicated, it's right at paulapoundstone.com, my website. It's on the homepage. And we also have, I have something like two, 240 episodes you can nice. start on the first one. You can start in the middle. You can start at the end. I don't think it builds.
2: Let me ask you this. Do you have a favorite so far?
1: Um, I, I can't remember them all very well. Mm-hmm. It's not a, it's not overall a celebrity-driven podcast, mm-hmm. um, although I do have the occasional actor or actress that comes on, um, and that's for a, a segment that we call Outside the Actor's Studio Oh nice. Um, where they help uh, I, I write a scene for us and uh the premise is that they're helping me learn to audition and so we read the scene together and um I, I did get uh Fred Willard oh, uh, to come on um That is great. Honestly, it's probably one of the last shows he did. Uh, yeah, yeah. And oh my god, he was great. Can I tell you we so that- damn
2: funny. I love Fred Willard. Can I tell you, we have that kind of in common though. And I didn't even mean, obviously didn't mean for this to happen. Cause that would, I mean, I committed murder, but, uh, I was Ed Asner's last interview. Wow. And I feel really bad about it. <laughs> I mean, it was we, fun. We, were you smoking? What? No, <laughs> no, no.
1: <laughs> would you push him down? <laughs> I, you know oh, what? God. I appreciate that, that you feel like that's safe with me. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I do. I feel comfortable. I don't know what you're going to do with it, but yeah. yeah. Um, Oh yeah. But that was like, I was like, holy shit. Um, So uh, I want to thank you for coming on though. Um, And can I ask you the last three questions I ask every guest? Sure. Fantastic. Um, First question is kind of a softball one, but if you can go back in time and talk to your younger self, what piece of advice would you give yourself to help you today?
1: Stay out of drama. Okay. I, in right. my lifetime, I swear I have been attracted to drama, uh, you know, like an ant to a, a, a dropped popsicle. Wow. Any and, kind of dra- uh, family drama or friend drama? Any just kind my of- own. You you know, You're all gotcha. I was always sort of churning up some sort of drama. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, and I, I think that I, if I, yeah, I would love to go back and make that correction. That's solid advice. I like that. And and by the way, if I did go back and talk to my younger self, my younger self would say, "Fuck you, you're not the boss of me." <laughs> so
2: so true. So yeah. fucking true. Um and second question is what had to end in your life, good or bad, that led you to where you are today?
1: What had to end? Well, I mean, the umbilical cord uh, <laughs> I don't know if that counts, which is led me to where I am today. Huh. Well, I mean, life is tons and tons of endings. So yeah. uh, I would say it was probably good that I quit my IHOP job in Orlando, Florida. Okay. That was probably, you know, yeah. that was probably good. I went to Florida when I was 18 years old. On a Greyhound bus from Massachusetts, because I wanted to be a bear in the Disney World parade. I did not get hired by Disney. Oh my! God. And uh, working graveyard shift on the Orange Blossom Trail at the IHOP was my <laughs> second dream. Um,
2: <laughs> was it scary when you quit, though? Did you feel like you were le- like you were like, what the fuck am I doing?
1: No, I quit to go because I well, I was going back to going back to Massachusetts. I okay. was really homesick for these for friends of mine. And uh, and but yeah, Um, but yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, And the second question I think you'll like a lot. So if this was a genuine dystopia, more so than it is now, and you woke up the next morning and everybody found out, hey, it's the last day on Earth, what would be happening? Do you think it would be because of government collapse, a comet heading toward the Earth, aliens, zombies, uh, climate change? It's your choice. And what would be your epic death? How would you want to go out?
1: Oh, well, um, I mean, I don't have anything to OD on, but that would be the best way to go out. <laughs> well, that's uh, a badass. Yeah. Yeah. That would be, um, yeah. good. Uh, I like that. Uh, I don't know. I mean, do I, what do I think is going to, I think for a lot of us, we're going to fry from, yeah. uh, from, um. You know cl- cl- the effects of climate change. Okay. Uh, in my case, I I hear somebody crashing around in the kitchen. You know, I have ten cats, and yeah. Uh, uh, although I don't believe the stories people about you know people dying and then the cats eating them. No, I don't either. I I do think, however, that my cats might make an exception to the rule and go ahead and eat me.
2: <laughs> Just out of spite.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know what? There was a story. During the stay-at-home order, there was a story of a guy that, you know, it was up on the internet, story of a guy that was walking his dog. And while he was walking his dog, the man had a seizure. Mm -hmm. And he falls down and he's seizing on the sidewalk. And the dog um, walked off the sidewalk into the middle of the street to stop traffic and get somebody to help his person. It was a beautiful, you know, man and dog story. Uh, I'll tell you something. I could be walking my dog, Mo. I could pass out cold. And I would come to with a spitty, muddy tennis ball laying on my chest and my dog's big Emmett Kelly lips hanging over my face saying, looks like you got enough rest. Will you throw that ball for me again?
2: <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, thank you. So seriously, this has been a fucking blast. I- I'm so honored to have you on. I get to talk to you for a little bit. Thank you so much.
1: Well, it's really fun talking with you.
2: Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs>
0: Dystopia Tonight